Hello and welcome to the Where's Amanda podcast. I'm your host, Amanda. I'm a music festival junkie turned content creator who's struggling with a little bit what to do with herself these days. I'm not gonna lie. As everybody listening knows, you know, these are some pretty unprecedented times right now um, for the world in general because we're going through I think I've never lived through a crisis like this I know we've had um, I think the word is when it's smaller like pandemics break out but nothing of this you know size in nature where things are getting closed down you're asking to self-isolate people are self-quarantining you know these are some very scary uncertain times especially too for the live events industry Uh, as many of you know I you know music festivals are not just my life but they have a lot to do with my job I work as a social media manager for a few companies that are rooted in the festival space when I go to these festivals I usually pick up freelancing jobs that provide me with extra income and you know it's It's pretty scary times. I know that things are going to come back in the fall. I'm feeling really confident that, you know, we're going to bounce back stronger than ever. But we still have this waiting period. We still have this downtime of where we're going to have to try to figure out how to adapt, how to use our time wisely, how to make sure that we come back stronger than ever. And I'm confident that, you know, we're going to get through this. It's going to be okay. Today on the podcast, I have a very timely guest, Gerard Anthony. He is the general counsel for Afropunk Music Festival. They have a few different events, the largest one being in Brooklyn. Me and him got into a really in-depth conversation about, you know, when a festival postpones, what are the legalities? around it what kind of you know terms do they have to have in the contracts we talked about radius clauses we really kind of got into the legal logistics when it comes to these festivals getting canceled or postponed Uh, he just recently dealt with south by southwest just getting straight up canceled he had a ticket to that Uh, so we kind of talked about that from a personal aspect and it was a really interesting and engaging conversation and i hope kind of sheds a little light on the learning curve that's going to be coming. And that I think that was a really positive thing that came from this is that we really talked about how everything that's going on is really going to serve to help us learn and be better. And hopefully that this doesn't happen again. But if something similar happens that we're more prepared for it in the future. So I hope you guys enjoy this conversation with Gerard Anthony, the general counsel of Afropunk. <laughs> everybody welcome welcome to the instagram live it's been a while it's been a really long time since i've done one of these um so if you want to go in and watch my live on instagram so i can invite you fantastic how's everybody doing out there let me know where you're tuning in from uh drop your city down i love to see where you guys are watching from thank you so much for joining in i know it's been a while since we've done one of these i think it's been like two months so very exciting we got memphis tennessee uh i see oh i see my guest is here Woo! Drum roll. I see Tarina, are you in Denver? Oh, we got Minnesota. Wow. Love it. What is up, Gerard? Welcome to the live stream. <laughs> Happy to be here. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm good. Do I need to turn my volume all the way down? <laughs> Hold on a sec. Let me turn this down because we're on a little bit of a delay, but that's all good. That won't affect us. Um, actually, I think it might be. Let me turn my internet off on this. 
There we go. All right. Perfect. Can everybody hear us and see us on the live stream? Give me some like thumbs up or the little heart emoji. Let me know that you're there. And without further ado, I'm going to let you go ahead and introduce yourself because we met, first of all, we met back at X Live and I got, we got to do this before. So we're, yes, we've done this interview thing before, but now that interview is in La La Land and I'm working to get back content. Yeah, now sure. we get to do it all over again. So everybody, this is Gerard Anthony. I'm gonna let him take it away from here. Yes, uh, my name is Gerard Anthony. I'm an entertainment attorney. Um, and I also handled the uh, legal work for Afropunk Music Festival. Um, as well, mainly specialize in music agreements, so um, artist agreements, recording, producers, managers, um, different people in the entertainment space, and then also um, small business. So people kind of looking to get their, um, whether it's branding, um, producers kind of getting their entertainment business off the ground as well, too. So it's kind of my world. Amazing. Let's kind of take it, take it back. We're, I want to start with like your music interest so when you were a kid like what what were you listening to what were you jamming out to what was I, I was definitely listening to hip-hop um probably some stuff i shouldn't have been listening to but <laughs> i was listening i was listening to it anyway um and then definitely just because it's grown up in a musical household uh my parents are very much r&b heavy um so sitting in the back seat of the car whether it's my dad listening to uh r&b from the 70s or disco or my mom yelling out, oh, that's my song from, from, uh, from way back when. So it's kind of, I would say definitely more R&B, funk. Uh, but then me personally, probably definitely growing up as a, a, as a hip hop head for sure. When um, you were saying that, like, were you into like jazz at all? That's like something I've kind of found a new love for recently. Well, when you say funk, was it like that kind of jazz or more like soulful? So funk, more definitely more soulful. Mm -hmm. So like Earth, Wind & Fire, like when I grew up, my parents taught me that Earth, Wind & Fire is the greatest band of all time. So that was just like undisputed in, in my household. So when I'm talking about funk, soul, definitely more, mean more of like stuff from the, the 70s. And actually, as I've gotten, early, gotten older, I've gone back and revisited a lot of that stuff. And one of the things I like about hip hop is so much of it is built off of sampling. So it kind of gives you a roadmap to go back and listen to some of the stuff that your parents most likely would have been listening to as well. Yeah, that's why I love electronic music so much because so much of it is so much sampling. You know, Bass Nectar is one of my favorite artists. And I think the moment that I was really like, wow, I'm really impressed by him was Pink Friday by Nicki Minaj is like one of my favorite albums of all time. <laughs> I'm, I'm not kidding. I spent a whole summer like running bleachers like everything right. I was listening to like that whole album and he took three Nicki Minaj songs and like made a new song and it like blew my whole mind that he was able to do it so flawlessly and I was like so right. shocked by it it was really it was really <laughs> cool that's cool yeah I, I think anytime you bring you on here because most of my audience including myself mm -hmm. is is really into the electronic space but that's right. not your realm right like you we've kind of gotten into this debate a little bit about <laughs> yeah, <we did. laughs> and rappers and stuff like that so who are you listening to now what's tickling your fancy these days what am i listening to now um so i just start with um i guess just what recently just came out so there's some older hip-hop so um jadakiss and then some younger hip-hop so meg the stallion too who i'm a big i'm a big fan of 
as well too. So those are probably the, the latest projects, but um, my favorite artists, I guess, well, two people, my favorite rapper has been Freddie Gibbs for like the last 10 years, independent artist. Um, to me, probably put out the best rap album, him and Mad yeah. Lib last year. Um, he also was gonna be at Coachella. I'm sure we're gonna get to that at some point too, but um, I'm definitely looking forward to seeing him. But overall, my favorite artist has also been Anderson Pack. Um, <clears throat> so those are kind of like two guys that, that stay in rotation. And then there's some younger um, R&B. I think R&B is in a fantastic place. So Lucky Day, um, Summer Walker, um, trying to think who else. Um, this is kind of, I guess, some up and coming R&B that I've been listening to. So it's kind of a mixture of all of those different things. Cool. Uh, Moses Sumney, uh, which, which I guess a lot of these are also artists that have played Afropunk, so it's a little easier. Uh -huh. But the talent, especially some of the younger talent, has just been off the charts. So that's kind of been the realm of where I've been. It's a lot more kind of like a little alternative, but mm -hmm. um, a little hip hop, but a lot of R&B as well. Cool, yeah. I think with some of the bigger festivals, I think, rap and hip-hop kind of get this like people have a different view on it because it's a lot of like the mumble rappers that are coming you know and it's a lot of just kind of overhyped and the the artistry maybe isn't there as much whereas like somebody that like anderson pack gets on and he's playing the drums and he's super artistry full yeah he's bringing this like full performance so at afro and we'll get into your role later but afropunk is like a festival you know, right. did a lot of like live music and singing and like the full kind of productions and stuff. Like, is there lasers? Right. Like, you know, what's, what's this kind of festival <laughs> like? <laughs> so it's definitely, um, like I said, it, it started from the punk scene, uh, more of like the black punk scene. And then it's basically grown into a combination of punk, um, but then more kind of like left of center music. So um, a good decent amount of, uh, of R&B, um, some hip hop as well too, and then kind of like everything uh, in between. But I would say from the festival standpoint, the fashion is definitely cannot be underscored enough it is a large part of it. So uh, when you go, you'll see people wearing just vibrant type of uh, get ups, whether it's costumes or just real decadent um, outfits. And yeah. that's, a, that's a large part of it. So even if you just, even if there was no music and you just walking around and people mm -hmm. watching, you would just be absolutely um, fascinated. People from all different uh, walks of life, honestly, is a really diverse festival in, in yeah. every way possible. And also the age range is pretty wide as well too. So you go from early 20s all the way up. I mean, literally all the way up yeah. to 50s, 60s. So it's, it's a really wide range. And I think it's a, great representation of uh of brooklyn as well brooklyn new york as well yeah that's really cool i guess so for those of you who don't know the main afropunk takes place in brooklyn in the fall correct right so there's a number of festivals so there's the largest show is in brooklyn new york which is um this year will be august 22nd and 23rd oh, cool. um and that's the largest show but then there's also a festival in uh atlanta which is the first weekend um in october and then also a show in Paris, a show in um, London, and then also at the end of the year, there'll be um, a show in South Africa, cool. and also potentially a show in Brazil this year as well. So 
Amazing. And before we yep. kind of jump into your role, I want to talk about the fashion for a second, because sure. I imagine this not being like your classic festival rave fashion. Like this is more rooted in kind of like cultural aspects, correct? Rooted in, um, rooted in some cultural aspects. It's also um, very heavily um, LGBTQ friendly. Cool. So um, it's rooted in some of that as well, too. Kind of like the punk um, scene as well? Is it like yeah, punky? It's, it's a combination yeah. of all that. Cool. So combination, literally a combination of all that. So um, probably very cool like all mixed you. in like gumbo. Yeah. Uh, and, then, and then obviously you're still in Brooklyn. So, you, so you're going to get some of that as well, too. So like I said, it really cuts, cuts across everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and really, like I've seen people and I've invited people to the festival. We're literally from all different walks of life it sounds awesome what's the is the food like as diverse and intense because i know like you know coachella its food menu alone could be a festival in and of itself is it is it like that or is it mostly just like music and fashion no the food is definitely the food is definitely diverse um which is kind of similar to um a lot of different kind of like food festivals or tastings that you will go to in different parts of new york city but definitely in Brooklyn, so you need to get a like any kind of food market that you would go to, and get a and kind of get kind of like a cross section, whether it's like Asian or West Indian or um, Italian or Greek. Like you kind of get a, and then there's also um, particularly the Brooklyn show. There's also a large um, food truck scene as well too. Um, so you kind of get a combination of all different types of uh, cuisine. I love it. That's one of my favorite parts about music festivals is it just brings so much like culture into like what, you know, whether you're a foodie or you're into fashion or you're just there for the music, like it just brings so many things together, which is, which is awesome. So now let's kind of talk about your, your role. What does a general counsel for a festival do? Uh, Almost any and everything, honestly. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but obviously first and foremost is, uh, the legal work. Mm -hmm. So with any type of festival, um, there's going to be contracts that run through everything. Mm -hmm. Obviously there's a number of performers that are on the festival. So that's, that's kind of like the foundation and that's particularly where I started. Mm -hmm. Um, and then also you have sponsorship. Um, Afropunk also puts out a lot of content as well too. Mm -hmm. So whether that's content on social media podcast, um, recorded content. There's also going to be licensing and agreements that go, that run through all of that. Um, and then there's also kind of just going to be general governance that comes with it, running any type of production or event as well. So, um, if you're talking about whether that's dealing with the park or dealing with maybe like if an issue were to arise, just like, how do we handle these things? And that's really been the beauty of being able to sit in this chair is kind of, um, being especially particularly at a smaller shop is being yeah. able to get a, a view of everything so it's like mm-hmm. this is how we handle production this is how we handle marketing and, and because the legal part kind of runs through everything yeah so you're learning a lot more than just you mm-hmm. know the four walls of a contract so you're really going to learn how how your will kind of fits into the overall machine that is the business that's the festival and Afropunk, because I know some festivals have like issues with the venue that they're at or the city mm-hmm. that they're in, but Afropunk seems to have a pretty good relationship with, you know, like Brooklyn especially. But what about when you're going into some of these new places? How do they, how do you go, like, is that where you deal with as well? Like making sure that you're maintaining those good relations? Yeah. So, they, I mean, it, like I said, it's always a team effort. There's a fantastic team. 
mm-hmm. um, literally across, across the board. So there'll be people in like, whether you're dealing with an international festival, there'll obviously be a team that's on the ground there that obviously knows the lay of the land a little bit better than someone who's not there, obviously. So um, it's kind of like a liaise between those, those mm-hmm. two teams. Um, but there's also obviously going to be issues that are going to be pertinent to each area. But the venue stuff kind of runs through. It's the same thing, you know, mm-hmm. capacity issues, yeah. uh, insurance issues, those kind of run. Are, they, they, there's a little different wrinkle everywhere you go. Mm-hmm. But the foundation of what you're trying to build is kind of the yeah. same in all those different regions. That's cool. And I think another thing that's really cool about Afropunk is that left of center vibe. It's got like a, sure. like a, like a big like mission statement, I guess you could call it, or like an right. ethos, you know? So when you're bringing that, I'm sure that like helps to be able to bring it into new places when you can kind of like promote such a good, like the event that you're doing, you know? Yeah, that is, there's definitely. And like from the very first meeting that I had, um, that's how it was described. You know, we mm-hmm. function in left of center, which is um, something I know we talked about at, at X Live as well too. So, unlike a lot of festivals where they might be competing for whoever the latest, hottest, we kind of have a a game plan that um, yeah. that the festival sticks to as far as who they're going after. After, but then also at each festival, you'll see the huge banners, which is probably what you're referencing about the you know no transphobia, no homophobia. Mm-hmm. Um, and just the diversity, even within the staff and the people that work there, um, mm-hmm. the office the office represents that as well too. And yeah. to me, it's very um, uh, important to be able to be part of an organization that lives out those type of uh, those type of creeds. Uh, so it's great. Yeah, I love that you said too that the the and I know we talked about this at X Live, but that the office represents that because I think so yeah. often. I mean, when you look at some of these major festivals and who's mm-hmm. at the top, it doesn't always you know reflect right. that. It doesn't diverse. always reflect that, correct? Yeah, at all. And so I think it's so it's so important that not only are they pushing this, you know, because some festivals have you know like all are welcome here and things like that, and it's like, well, if you look at your organization, like, is it are you really living that? So I think right that you know living the truth from the top down is so important right right yeah for sure it's not and it's, it's not an easy it's not an easy thing to do um and like you said there's going to be this is actually afropunk's 15th year yeah amazing um, so it's 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 a it's a large feat to be able to to be around first of all for such a long time but then also to be able to kind of stick to whatever your core mission is mm-hmm. that's that's awesome now I'm kind of a, you know, we got to talk about it because coronavirus is just, you know, it's a present thing in our lives. Coachella just got postponed. Ultra said it's getting postponed, but it's getting postponed for a year. Now, I know that like Afropunk, I'm I'm assuming you guys are having these talks about risk mitigation and kind of like contingency plans, right? Yeah, everyone, everyone's having those talks right now. And that's just something that comes with the business. Like, you know, I have friends that are at other festivals or other promoters and that's just that's something that everyone has to talk about right now because it's, yeah. it's real i mean we, you turn on the tv and the largest sports organizations are talking about you know mm-hmm. playing games in front of no no fans so it's just something that everyone has to deal with but i will also say um it's actually a, a, a learning opportunity yeah. as well too um and i think a lot of people are, are learning about you know the different moving parts whether it's insurance or mm-hmm. different clauses that are be triggered um, and actually, and, and also a learning standpoint, also for a lot of the attorneys as well too, because these yeah. situations can become fluid 
And then whenever we get on the other side of this, you know, this is something that's going to change the industry. So I think mm -hmm. in addition, while everyone is kind of going through um, a tough time um, and I feel for everybody, like I was, I was telling my wife earlier that um, I had been emailing with someone at um, South by Southwest, which is also postponed. Mm -hmm. And yeah. um, the person I was emailing with, I followed up with them today and someone yeah. else answered the email and was like, um, oh, this person actually is no longer with oh, the vessel wow. because South by Southwest yeah, had to can't. let go. I think they let go maybe like a third of their staff. Yeah. Um, so it's a real, t it's a real tough time for um, a lot of organizations right now. But like I said, I think on the other mm -hmm. side of this is going to be, it's going to be a learning opportunity as well too. And things and this will kind of shift the whole, I mean, it's going to shift everything. Yeah, but completely. For our business it's going to mm -hmm. shift um, live events and touring as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was kind of, I was really excited to talk to you today because I was actually mm -hmm. working on an article about how to like keep sponsorships and like we was getting down in the article about like the nitty gritty of like agreements and right. how important agreement agreements are right now and having the right kind of language in there and then taking into consideration, you know, if your event doesn't happen, but you already did digital marketing for them as you know, an event sponsor, for example, right. how do you prorate, you know, do you have it in your agreement? Because some events don't even have agreements with their sponsors. And yeah. so kind of the power of having, you know, legal counsel and an attorney, like I think people just don't think about it. So it's, it's really right. going to be an interesting time right now to see, right. yeah, where that goes. So I'm sure for you, you know, you guys are analyzing, you know, the agreements that you have in place, all the, the plans, but also from a legal standpoint, not just like operationally, but from a legal standpoint as well. Yeah, it is, it's, it's, like I said, it's definitely going to be a learning standpoint. I think one or a phrase that a lot of people are going to learn a lot about is called force majeure. And okay. basically that means like um, an act of God. Yes. So essentially it's when an event happens that mm -hmm. is so unforeseen by both parties that it, it excuses performance. So yeah. like, for example, just as an example, one might be like an earthquake, um, mm -hmm. a tornado, um, or if there was like, let's say like a riot and yeah. like, let's say like the national guard had to be called out. Um, mm -hmm. but then also an epidemic. Yeah. Um, usually this is not something that in the, I guess the modern, modern history mm -hmm. we've had to deal with on this scale. Yeah. Um, but this would fall under those type of categories. Mm -hmm. But so essentially what's happening right now is a lot of these, um, promoters and events, um, this type of. I guess what we're calling a, a, a pandemic um, yeah. is, is being looked at as to whether or not that is being defined as a force majeure event mm -hmm. that would excuse performance by both sides. But like you said, under a lot of sponsorship agreements, once that party has received the sponsorship money, there may be an instance where you've already spent some of it for your marketing or to be able to even produce your event. Yeah. So even though that clause might be triggered, and you're thinking like, okay, well, you know, both sides are excused, but the sponsor might be looking for some of that money back, but you don't have the money to give because essentially you've already spent it. So yeah. um, there's a lot of issues going around with that. And then also on the flip side, with some of these events that we've also seen canceled as well, depending on where that cancellation would have happened, you might have a situation where an artist might have already received a portion of money. Mm -hmm. And then the next question is like, oh, well, you know, are they due the rest of that money, depending on where, how close you were actually to the event, or yeah. is that promoter able to um, recoup 
some of that money. Mm -hmm. So those are some of the issues that are happening right now. And then, you know, the, the, usually the fallback for a lot of, um, just events is cancellation insurance. But obviously with any type of insurance policy, the insurance is only going to step in and be able to cover your cost if, um, there's a trigger for that. Mm -hmm. And so, um, usually in most, and again, this is something that, you know, you can read about in billboard. I see quite a few articles coming out now. Um, a pandemic is not in a lot of, uh, and a lot of people's that would not have been something that most people in the industry would have Mm -hmm. had covered. And so you're now you're asking for an event like a South by Southwest to have to cover all of these costs, which, like I said, they just let go a large part of their, of their Mm -hmm. workforce. Some of the money that they might've received, even from the people that have purchased badges, which are not cheap at all. Um, A lot of that money is already, is already spent. So like I said, there's a lot of moving parts, but it's going to be a large learning opportunity, unfortunately at a large cost, um, for all parties involved. Well, another recent kind of thing that probably wasn't in a lot of, um, that I was reading up on was active shooter. You know, that wasn't yeah, something yeah. that was worked into policies or worked right. in, you know, and like foreseen as an active God or things like that. And when that incident happened in Las Vegas, you know, like right. those, like just modern day things that we don't have written in. I think it's so interesting to be living in it in real time and seeing right. these policies change and agreements being redone. And then the other thing I kind of wanted to talk about was, postponing versus canceling. So, you know, Coachella postponed South by Southwest canceled. So as an event, I guess, kind of like your personal views of it, is it worth trying to postpone it to try to make it still happen? Or is it just cleaner to cancel it and then let the kind of chips fall where they may? Um, I think for, well, just speaking personally, I think it's probably much easier if you can, um, postpone, um, your event. Cause obviously you'll be able to recoup, um, you'll be able to recoup some of that cost. Yeah. Um, but again, there's so much, I mean, you notice there's so much that goes into producing yeah. an event that, um, and again, I actually haven't, I haven't spoken to anyone at, um, Coachella since they announced that they, or I guess Golden Voice that, that produces yeah. it since they, um, announced that they were going to postpone the event. Mm-hmm. But you have to think that, you know, they had already announced their lineup. I would yeah. imagine that there's some of those, that lineup might change as well, too, because some mm-hmm. of those artists have already given commitments to perform yeah. in other places. So I'm not even sure that everyone even has the, op- like a, something mm-hmm. like South by Southwest, there's so much that goes into it. I'm not even sure if they would, if there's another date on the, uh, yeah. on the calendar where they would be able to pull everything together mm-hmm. to be able to postpone it. So I think, you know, because that date is, that's a hard date pretty much, yeah. you know, that part of March every year. So I think it's pretty difficult to be able to do that. So like I said, it'll be interesting seeing how yeah. the lineup differs from mm-hmm. Coachella's lineup differs from what was already announced to what it will be in October. Well, another wild thing with Coachella is that California, I think it's, I think it's a California state law. That's the radius clause or maybe yes. that's just, yeah. So that adds a whole other layer. Yeah. Like, do they, do they still have to honor that because everything was set up, all of their tours were set up to not to follow 100%. that clause. And they have yeah. a very, they have a very, and just so anyone that doesn't understand. So what a yeah. radius clause is, is the radius clause is essentially a time frame and also a distance from which an artist that might like say an artist is performing at Coachella, there might be maybe two months before the event and two months after where mm-hmm. essentially they can't perform at any other event. 
Yeah. And they also may not be able to announce that they were going to perform at a different mm -hmm. event within that radius clause. Yeah. And I know Coachella, they, they have a pretty strong radius clause that they, mm -hmm. that they enforce. So I would imagine them moving it. Yeah. Um, so it's the likely. festival, it's the right. festival that enforces it. It's not like a state. Right. Right, it's no, like no, a festival. Okay, yeah, cool. I, I don't know where yeah, I got that sure. in my head. Yeah, yeah, but okay, yeah. so like in the contract, yeah, like if I'm an artist, if right. I and Coachella can do it because they're the biggest festival Correct. in the world. So it's like right. if I really want to play Coachella, right. I'm gonna make that commitment to do that. And then right. if I if I don't, do I have to like pay Coachella? Like who who how do I so, get so really in that situation? Um, and again, a lot of it deals with leverage. So mm -hmm. you know. If you're Beyonce, Beyonce don't have a radius clause. <laughs> yeah. you know what I'm like Beyonce, yes, Beyonce yes. might give the festival a radius clause. But, <laughs> For um, sure. but it, but 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 you know, if you're uh, you're you know you're a smaller independent artist, because again, you're looking at the opportunity to play, mm -hmm. you know, the Completely. premier festival in the country, then um, you're more likely willing to agree to that radius clause. So it's yeah. it's probably something that's not really negotiable. Obviously, um, there may be some points where they really want someone then they may kind of, they may flex yeah. or what happens a lot of times is you may agree to it. And then usually you may come back and ask like, Oh, Hey, this opportunity popped yeah. up, you know, will you guys give us an exception? So mm -hmm. that's usually most likely um, how that will work. Yeah. But the fact that they're moving it to October, yeah. I would imagine that they probably have to relax. Um, and again, mm -hmm. that's me completely guessing that they might have yeah. to relax a little bit of the radius clause, because I would imagine mm -hmm. there's probably a good number of artists that may have already, either had shows that they were playing in October or had things that would have been in what would have been the radius, the radius clause for yeah. uh, an October show. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I was just thinking about tours or um, Dirty Bird Camp Out. It's a house music festival that happens in Northern California. I don't know. House is like a small component of the Coachella lineup, but that's, you know, a bigger festival, you know, for that genre and having to deal with that. It's going to be, it's going to be really interesting when they like relaunch the lineup. Right. And right. I was um, talking to one of the like brands that I'm working with and they actually think that it's going to be kind of a positive because now Coachella gets to reannounce the lineup all over again. They get to like build up all this hype all year, you know, like, I guess it was kind of trying to look at this like silver lining silver of it all. Sure. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, like now they get to put all this marketing into it and like, you know, hopefully they have, I mean, they have, they have the money and the power. If anybody's going to be able to move a festival, it's going to be Coachella. Coachella yeah. You know, I think Ultra did something really interesting where they're not refunding people. Yeah. Um, Coachella hasn't announced what they're going to do. I expect Coachella to offer refunds just because I think, could somebody sue, could, like, is there like a possibility of like a civil lawsuit against like Ultra or like people saying right. I should be able to be refunded? Do you kind of foresee that happening? Lawyers sue for any and everything. So there's always a, <laughs> there's always a possibility um of a lawsuit but i dealt with this personally because um south by southwest they've only oh, yeah. really given out one statement since mm -hmm. they announced the cancellation but essentially their policy um and this is still up on their website is they don't do refunds for any reason oh, wow. okay. um now obviously i think there's a little bit of a difference when you say you know we don't do refunds for any reason but there's there's a different wrinkle because this is the first time that they're canceling in 34 years yeah so um now, is there a possibility that people say, you know, we That's should be entitled to a refund because you're not, you're literally, it's not fair policy. You're literally not having the event. Um, yeah. You know, there's always, a, there's always a chance of that right now. What they're saying is they will allow, like, let's say for me, for instance, like I bought a batch for this year, 
I will be allowed to use that badge for either 2021, 2022, or 2023. Yeah. Um, and I guess that's how they're willing to um, compensate people. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I, like, I think it kind of goes back to what we talked about earlier, um, is that they're not in a position to be able to take that hit. So they're, be- they're trying to do the best that they can. Now, obviously, do I think most of these larger brands are in a better position to take the hit than you and I are? Definitely. But um, I, I, do think I do think we may see some litigation around it. Um, but I also think that, so there's like the legal question, but then there's also a, a, a business and commercial question as well, which is, okay, maybe this is your policy from a legal standpoint, but there also may be a goodwill question where if you don't refund people, like, like whether it's Ultra or Coachella, yeah. the next year, are people willing to pay those prices um, for that ticket if they know something happens and you don't have the event yeah. and they're not going to be able to um, recoup their money, which, and also right now, there's a lot of, because people travel to a lot of these festivals, Airbnb yeah. is also not um, giving people 100% refunds. Yeah. And these these uh, events are being canceled within a window where people are only maybe getting like 50% of their money yeah. back. Yeah. Um, so I think, I think this time next year, if a lot of these brands, like that's just the calculus that they're going to have to take into account, mm-hmm. whether or not, you know, they think they can just weather the storm and then everyone will come back next year mm-hmm. or whether they may end up losing some of the goodwill because people are like, you know what, you guys didn't refund me. I spent $1,500 and tickets and Airbnb and flights as well too. Even though from my own personal standpoint, it seems like the airlines and what I've heard, they've been pretty good, but I'm not sure if some of the, uh, if some of the other brands have kind of been at the same place where they've been refunding people at a hundred percent. Yeah. I was actually looking up, I have the Chase Sapphire credit card and it's got Mm -hmm. pretty decent travel insurance. And I was trying to figure out, if this counts or not, and I never really came to a conclusive answer, but I think one of the, I, I don't want to say there's like winners and losers, but one industry that I think is going to come out a little bit better off maybe than everybody else is like ticket insurance and travel insurance. Because, right. um, you know, Americans, we don't often buy travel insurance that much, but I know right. in like Europe and other, you know, parts of the world, they always buy, you know, pay that. Actually, like, you know, whenever the flight's like, do you want to buy the $15 for insurance? I'm like, yeah. I'm like, nah. <laughs> like, I also haven't bought like a fit. Maybe if I was buying right. like, you know, a trip around the world, like a $1,500 ticket, I might right. like consider it. But oftentimes, you know, it's like a hundred, you know, hundred or $200. Or if I was booking like a big Airbnb, I think it's really waking up people to say right. like, Hey, you should pay that extra, right. you know, little well, the qu- well, the question is, is cause it's, cause I, I, I did this recently as well too. It's yeah. not even just having a travel insurance, but it's like, what does your travel policy actually say? Yeah. Because again, with insurance, there's only going to be certain triggers that yeah. kick in the insurance policy to be able to cover your yeah. loss and i couldn't so, figure out if pandemic was like covered or not i was like looking and that, and that's, i was like well if i if i personally get sick it's covered right like if i right. can get like a doctor's note and like i'm sick you know like that's like one way i can do it but if you know other people are sick like i don't i couldn't i couldn't right. figure it out exactly and, that, and that's and that's something that's usually not covered and even for example airbnb you know they have a policy where where they will step in and cover 100 if it's you know basically like if it's basically been ruled to like a pandemic or like a, a local disaster, but when yeah. um, people are going to look at it and see like, okay, well, which, which places are fall meet this standard. Yeah. And right now it's only like Italy, South yeah, Korea like, and parts like, of China. So yeah. well, I think <laughs> Washington, like, 
I think Washington declared a state of emergency. So is like right. that a trigger? You know, I guess it's like defining right. what what's the trigger that Correct. made them because like South by Southwest, for example, was it the CDC that told them that they had to cancel the event or was it just them taking like, like I guess who's dictating what makes well, the, so the so the the mayor of Austin mm-hmm. basically de- declared like a local emergency, uh-huh. and he, he's that person essentially made that decision gotcha. to be like it's not going to be safe. South by Southwest brings probably like four hundred thousand people yeah. um, to Austin, so that was the, so it wasn't them deciding like oh we're not going to it was, that decision was kind of made for them even though I'm sure there was conversation and communication um, yeah. that happened. And that probably was going to be the same result that would have happened in uh, in Coachella as well. Yeah. So, but again, it seems like thus far, for whatever reason, at least on the Airbnb's policy, that that hasn't risen to the point to trigger um, whatever they need to be able to refund people one hundred percent. Like we would hope, you would hope that it wouldn't need to get as bad to where you're talking about Italy, a country that's on complete and full lockdown right yeah. now. Um, to be able to refund people, so yeah, yeah, it's it's a crazy time, and it's it's going to be interesting, kind of like you said earlier, to see this learning curve and see how agreements get changed and how insurance policies. Um, on one of my first episodes on this podcast, I talked to my friend Stephanie. She works for a ticketing company, and mm-hmm. she was talking about the emergence of ticket insurance. Like a, there, yeah. that used to not exist before, but you know, when you're buying a four or five hundred dollar festival ticket or even a conference ticket, there's now outside companies that are offering ticket insurance and, you know, whatever the policy is, if this was covered or not, it's just interesting because, you know, like a year or two ago, I would have never thought to buy, you know, insurance on my festival ticket before, but that was kind of happening even before this pandemic and stuff like that. Um, I was like, Oh, I'll just re I'll just resell the ticket. Cause if I can't go, then I'll just figure it out. But now it's like, if the event doesn't even happen. And I, and I I think that's the rub is most people, and at least in Americans, we just kind of assume that, event's going to happen um we're just thinking that like well if i can't we're thinking about it from the standpoint it's like oh what if i can't go like then what do i do if like yeah exactly you're not really thinking about like oh well like again south by it's been 34 years where they they haven't had any cancellation or any hiccups so um you're not thinking that the event itself is not going to happen but that's a great point about i mean i don't need i didn't have that um you know ticket, ticket insurance so that totally that totally makes sense and again i think insurance for better or worse is also probably an industry where <laughs> you can because you're kind of you're kind of banking on things going what making money on well, you're banking, banking on things years. going good but exactly. having fear that it's gonna go bad exactly. when it goes bad and then you actually have to pay all the policy exactly exactly so it, 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 it definitely cre- it definitely creates an opportunity yeah, but I think it's interesting too that like uh, somebody said earlier that Coachella did say that they're going to do refunds. And I think Coachella, I'm just imagining their structure, especially thinking about, so I kind of come from the sponsorship world. Um, I just mm. worked with Envision Festival and just knowing the money that comes in from sponsorships that gives you this whole revenue stream mm. that, you know, with digital marketing or things that have already been done, like I wonder if maybe that's why they don't, they're not, they're going to be able to refund or that they just trust, you know, that their structure is not so heavily reliable reliant on ticket sales maybe or right. I don't know if they've invested their money I'm just trying to think of like how an event could survive without ticket sales like different streets yeah it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's tough because there's going to be certain costs that most likely um go into like the operating to, to be able yeah. to operate and produce well, one the thing, 
one thing somebody at Golden Voice I was talking to them about is that the biggest thing that they were trying to figure out about moving the date was mm -hmm. setting up the stages and the tents that get set up and just like the massive like production that goes on at Polo Fields and right. all of the staffing and everything. Like it wasn't just like, oh, when's the venue available again? It's like, how can we truly like set up this, you know, thing where it's a hundred thousand people every single day for three weeks with stagecoach? Yeah. It's basically like building a town. Like when yeah. I was a kid, Sim City, this sounds super nerdy, but Sim City was one of my favorite yeah, games. Yeah, I, I loved it too. <laughs> that's basically like, that's kind of like what an event or yep. a festival is. Because if you're talking about anywhere from like 30,000, 50,000 yeah. to like Coachella the size, that's basically like a small town. So yeah. basically it's like, you know, there's a lot of moving parts. So even if you end up moving the dates, it's not just, oh, we got to break the stage down or when can we get the venue? But it's like, you know, there's staffing. There's yeah, independent security. contractors you're bringing yeah. in, there's security, um, there's promoting, there's marketing. So there's so many moving aspects of it. So I'm sure it's not going to be as easy as like, oh, let's just make sure we can reserve the venue for this date, which is kind of yeah. like the first question that you're going to have. Yeah, but true. Yeah. With um, this kind of a random question about contracts that you may or may not know, typically with like these contracts for like the workers and stuff like that, they mm -hmm. have like a set date. So when you mm -hmm. postpone it, are all of those contracts out the window and then you're renegotiating everything all over again, essentially? Or is there like some way to carry it over? It's probably definitely more of a term because again, those contracts are probably going to be for a specific event. Um, yeah. Particularly if you're talking about people that are coming in and probably adding um, security or working part of like production. Mm -hmm. So those people may be um, contracted to work a certain event. So if yeah. you end up, but again, the if you dates up, are probably in the contract, right? The dates are definitely going to be in the yeah. contract. And if you're, and if you're moving the date now, basically like you're changing what we will yeah. refer to as a material term. So basically, okay. basically that just means this is a big deal. Like there's certain yeah. parts of the contract where like, this may be a small deal and there may be something else where like, this is a big deal. So yeah. if you're changing what the date is, that's going to be a material term. And so yeah. essentially, um, whoever is the, the contracting party or whoever's doing the hiring, they probably uh -huh. would definitely go back and like, hey, will you be available um, for this new date? It definitely yeah. wouldn't just be an automatic where you just would assume yeah. that that person would be available as well, too. Because again, like a lot of those people, particularly that have independent contractors, they're probably working a number of events as well too. Yeah, to see. So they may, so you may have some conflicts and may not be able to to do it as well. Would that fall kind of under your realm of things, or is that kind of like passed off to like a team within? Like, I mean, it's definitely this like so within. This is like a team that does all those type of things. But for the majority of those contracts, and even uh, even in you know other festivals, a lot yeah. of these contracts are going to be. You're not talking about a lot of moving parts uh, yeah. as far as these contracts. So there's really not too many things. It would just be like setting into motion. Exactly. Yeah. Kind of cl much closer to being like boilerplate um, yeah. type of terms. But again, if there's anything that's going to change, like when you're dealing with something as big as like moving the date, there's yeah. always going to be some communication where whoever is in charge of that team is probably yeah. going to have to go back and clarify those things. Yeah, I just can't imagine everything that their their legal teams are probably working like overtime right now to process everything from like the moving of the event, dealing with people wanting refunds, like getting the artists. Like it's just it's crazy when you start to like think about all those little it's a lot of moving parts. It's a lot of yeah. I mean it's like a real busy. I mean, even just on um last Friday, uh we started having um some conversation just about things like 
closing down and even in just that conversation and like going through it, I was like, wow, this is going to be a lot. And then yeah. it was that, it was like five o'clock that day that South by announced that they were, yep. you know, that they were, that they were canceling. So like I said, I think we're going to see a lot of things change yeah. um, very rapidly, but I'm hoping with my fingers crossed and knocking on wood that things get better, not just for people in like a lot of events, but literally for everybody. Yeah. That, uh, the whole situation gets better within the next coming weeks. Well, cool. Well, thank you so much for having this kind of like heavier, heavier talk. Do you have any like shows or like to lighten it up? Do you have any like shows or concerts that you're like forward to or any, well, or any trips or anything? Well, I guess maybe well, not trips. <laughs> well, I guess not any trips. Well, that was the funny thing. So next week I would have been going to Austin with yeah. South by Southwest. And then about a month later, I would have been going to Coachella, which actually would have yeah. been my first time going to Coachella. Oh, well, the good news is, is in October, it probably True. won't be 100 degrees. And so if those dates still work for you, like you're going to be better yeah. off because you're not going to be like, because polo fields are beautiful, but it's hot, hot. in April. It's <laughs> so hot. So yeah. I'm kind of like, kind of like, maybe they'll like, you know, permanently move it to October because like yeah. it wouldn't be, wouldn't be the worst thing for me because I sweat a lot, you know, but <laughs> I'm also curious to see if it's going to affect like Coachella fashion, you know, because it's very much like yeah. spring, you know, everyone's wearing like pastels and like shorts and stuff yeah. like that. I mean, I don't know. It's still Southern California. I was already on a WhatsApp thread with a bunch of people from California complaining yeah. about Code is going to be in California. <laughs> so coming from New York, I will we, yeah, we like, welcome the the, the break. It's be like mid sixties lowest. <laughs> like it's not that cold there. It's exactly. still Southern California. Yeah. So I think I think that that's another consideration. You know, when you're talking about moving the dates, it's like, you know, um, what does the weather look like in yeah. April as opposed to what it looks like in October? Mm -hmm. Or you know, if you're talking about early September now you're in like peak her you know peak hurricane season yeah so there's there's different consider there's different considerations um just even them moving just a couple of months so mm -hmm. yeah it's crazy we're gonna see well then hopefully maybe see you before then but definitely see you at Coachella in October <laughs> for sure but I'm sure you will be there for sure all decked out <laughs> I can't wait um is there anything that you want to like plug or give a shout out to this is kind of your like Shameless moment to say whatever you want. <laughs> um, I'm on all all uh, social media platforms. So Instagram is uh, G Rock G E R O C K, which I'm on. Shout out to everybody on live, um, and then the same on uh, Twitter as well to um, G Rock eight nineteen and um, Anthony Law Group. That's my 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 practice, and it, there's a link to it all my uh, social media. But, um, but yeah, just no, going to get to that. I definitely would <laughs> love to have you on again one yeah. day to talk about like that whole side of like the entertainment kind of lawyer stuff that you do. But this yeah. was just so perfect for like what's going perfect. on. Absolutely. Very timely. Yeah. Thank you so much for being on Thank here. Thank you for having me. This has been yeah. great. And we got to, and we also got to post our, uh, so I did speak to, um, to Kai from X Live yeah. as well too. So our original interview that we did where we discussed our uh, Carolina connection as well too Hell yeah. that uh, that should be coming out pretty soon amazing I know I need to like talk to this guy it's been on my list of things to do but you know that list is never ending I'm sure you know <laughs> you know how that feels but thank you again so thank much you. for everybody tuning in on the live stream thank you everybody listening on the podcast thanks for tuning in if you want to hit that subscribe button if you want to leave a review I would love it and everybody have a wonderful life Bye. Thank you.